I'm so glad that you're joining us today. Now, some of you know me, not a lot of you know me, uh, but my name is Andrew and I like disc golf. Now, disc golf is not widely known. It's a lot like golf, so if you know what golf is, this will help. Uh, in golf, you know, you take the little white ball and you hit it down a fairway into a hole. Well, disc golf is similar, but instead of a little ball, you actually have discs. And those Frisbees uh, you will throw from that tee pad, and the goal is to get it into a basket. This image actually is a basket. Now, if you've gone into a local park and you've seen this, and you've thought, why did they put a grill out in the middle of this nice grassy area? Just want to let you know it's a target. <laughs> it's a catcher. It's not a grill. So I throw these discs and the goal is to get them in this basket. Now I say these discs. So here's my bag. I carry this mug with me uh, about 18 holes. It's very heavy. There are 18 discs in here. I think I've got 18. I actually may have lost count. Um, in this bag, I've got discs, putters, and mid-ranges, and drivers. Now, when I reach into this bag, I'm going to try to grab a specific disc. I, I go to these discs because I have an expectation of them. So I might grab one of my favorite ones, like this one. It's called the Wraith and it's a driver. And I expect when I throw this that it is going to go really far and it is going to go straight. I pick it up because I have an expectation on it. I rely on it to do what I want it to. If the situation calls for a different disc, I'll use a different disc. But if the situation needs a long, straight, fast flyer, I go with the Wraith. Now, you don't have to know disc golf or have ever even played to relate to this because there's probably something in your life that you have or it's a thing that you lean on that you rely on it. You have an expectation of it and you know that it is going to fit this need in your life. In the same spirit, on these days, this last season that we have been in, I wanted to ask you, have you felt God has let you down? Have you felt disappointed by God? Now, I ask this not out of far left field, because sometimes I think we come to God utilizing him like I use one of my discs. Like there's a function that I go to that wraith for. And I wonder if we may have been using God to that end. And then we've come to this COVID-19 season where everything has been thrown in flux and everything has changed. And all the things that we previously relied on and that we took safety and security in, they're gone, or they're in jeopardy, or they're somewhere in between. We, we don't really know what's happening. And so some of us may have thought, God's left us, and we're disappointed. So my question to you is, 
What do you do when you feel that God's disappointed you? Okay, hold on to that thought. We're in the middle of a series called Linked, uh, a series to connect distanced people. And this season has brought an internal angst up in many of us. And so when we are feeling distanced from one another and we are feeling distanced from God because we feel he's disappointed us, what do we do? What do we do with that? The story reminds me of a story from scripture, and that is in John 12. Now, prior to John 12, we've been introduced to the ministry of Jesus. He has uh, turned water into wine. He's fed thousands of people from small morsels of bread and fish with leftovers. And in chapter 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So he's fed people, he's done miraculous changes, and he's made a dead man alive again. These are kind of big deals, okay? So there are crowds of people that now have these huge expectations of Jesus, and they think this is the Savior. And they knew that the Savior would do miracles, that he would heal, but they also knew that he would be the king. They had this expectation that he was going to come in and knock out Rome and, and swarm the throne and come to reign. Okay, it talks about this story in John 12, and I wanna read it from uh, John 12, 12 through 15. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. See, they're really excited. And they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. See, they even expected him to come in on a colt. So all of their expectations, they think they're relying on him for these things, to do these things. He's going to fulfill all that they expect of him. Or is he? Or is he? What do we do when we feel disappointed with God? The rest of that week, Holy Week carries out. Jesus does not do what they think he's going to do. He clears out the temple. He has a final meal with his disciples. He does many other things. I'm not going to recap every single day. But at the end of the week, on Friday, he dies. He dies. This man that they thought was king, that they ushered into the city to take over the throne, dies. What do you do when you're disappointed by God? Disappointment's a little like a check engine light, like Russell referenced a few weeks ago. It's an indicator 
When we feel disappointment, that rises up in our hearts and lets us know that we have placed an expectation in someone or something and it's fallen short. And so when we feel that disappointment rise up in us instead of reacting angrily to the thing or the person that we are disappointed in, and in this case, we're talking about God, let's take a step back and ask this question. What expectations aren't being met? The Jewish people at this time had a lot of those expectations in their Savior. Um, some of those were right, and they were from prophecies that God has get, had given his people so that they would know him, know what to look for. Uh, other things were things that were cultural. They were societal. They had put burdens on this Savior that God hadn't told them was going to happen. And yet they put them on him. And then when he didn't fulfill them, they found themselves disappointed. But maybe they brought some extra things to the surface. Have you taken a second in this season to ask why you might be disappointed in God? I don't want to make an assumption. I'm not saying because you are listening that you have this great disappointment in God and that he's failed you and that you're walking around with this cloud. But I've talked to a lot of friends. A lot of people are having just that little inkling of disappointment that they didn't think that the things they were going through in regard to their finances, uh, to their jobs, the careers that they thought would have their whole life, those things are gone or they're going and they're wondering where is God. And so have you taken a moment to ask why are those expectations there? Why am I disappointed in God right now? Just take a moment, ask God, why am I disappointed in him and what do I expect from you? See, the Jews in this story expected that there would be a king who would sweep in, drive out the overlords, and reign forever. When he didn't do that, they realized we've been expecting a savior who wasn't Jesus. Perhaps we have some of those same expectations of Jesus, that we want Jesus to be something that he didn't promise us. Here's what Jesus has promised us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It tells us that in Hebrews 13, 5. A few verses later in John 12, John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And further still in John, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. I find it interesting. I've only read three. I'm not telling you that I've read all of the promises of God to you, but I wanted to touch on just these three and say, did you notice that none of these have a quality of life qualifier with them. What do I mean? So I've changed them all. Maybe you might resonate. It does not say in scripture, I will never leave you nor forsake you unless there's a really bad virus. And then I'm bolting and you're totally on your own. Or whoever believes in me 
may not remain in darkness, except when the economy turns, and then that darkness is definitely going to come back. Or even, I am the way, the truth, and the life, as long as everything is rosy. But if it goes south, you got to find someone else to help you. I hope that as I'm kind of talking through these verses and I'm taking them in a clearly bad direction that they were not meant to be, that it doesn't sit right with you. Because you say that is not what God promised. In fact, God promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. And there, there's a period that he is present and that he is a good savior. Jesus claimed in his time to be God Almighty. And he claimed to be the savior that the Jews needed then to live and to live forever. Jesus claims to be God Almighty. And he has made that claim now. That he is what we need now to truly live both here and the hereafter. So, what do we do when we feel disappointed by God? I think the very first step is we've got to tell him. Tell him that we are disappointed. I've been spending a lot of time in the Psalms as of late, and I, I keep reading and am blown away by the honesty that David has. David does not come to God with an expectation that he has to use all the right churchy words and say them in the right churchy order for God to listen to him. David goes to God angry sometimes. David goes to God with questions that he doesn't already have answers for. And he goes and he says, Lord, this is what I've got. And so I want to encourage you don't run from God. Don't stay away from God until you feel that you are fixed or that you've got it all together and then you can come and present it to him in the perfect package. That's not what God asks of you. God says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, go to God. Go to God. Tell him your disappointments in him. Tell him what's on your mind and on your heart and just lay it bare. Okay, that's step one. Step two, rely on him to be your savior. I know this seems like a big jump, but as disappointment has peaked up in you, perhaps you've realized that your functional savior has been your career. Your functional savior has been your 401k, your bank account, your health. I could go on. And I probably still miss maybe something that was near and dear to you that's, being, that's up in the air right now. And so step two, rely on Jesus to be your savior. Make sure that what you are leaning on can't get pulled away. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so lean on him. Step three, if you have come to Christ before, have that attitude of gratitude. Thank him 
for who he is, for what he's done. Thank God for be, thank Jesus for being your savior and for being your peace right now in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of this disappointment you might be feeling. Thank him for being your savior. Now, this is kind of like step 3B. I don't know if you who are listening are a believer. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ, and if you have never crossed over that line of faith, I want to invite you to do so. Come to him and ask forgiveness for running to anything and anyone else to save you. Come to him and thank him for being your savior, for being the only one who you can lean on and then say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I confess my sins of running to anybody else, and it's you, and I'm wholly relying on you. And step four, if I said there were three steps, there's four. If I said four, there's still four. I would encourage you, connect with others who are going through some of these same things but have placed their faith in Christ. At Neartown Church, we are gathering after these services on Zoom gatherings. The information is actually in the links uh, connected to this video, and I just want to invite you to join us in one of those. And if you feel that you have felt disappointed in God and that he hasn't answered you, talk to God and talk to others who have been through it because you might actually find others are where you are or have been where you are and they want to encourage you and hold you up. So uh, take a look at these four steps. Here they are on your screen and figure out, do I need to go through all of these? And if I do, what number do I need to tackle next? I really wanna thank you all for, for listening and digging in. But before we reflect on the next steps for response, remember, Jesus' promises to you are true, and they will remain, no matter the circumstances around us.